Can you name some of your favorite fashion and beauty bloggers? I like, um, we wore what? Zoella. The fashion citizens. Can you name any beauty and fashion bloggers? No. No. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't know any. Welcome to Undressed. I'm Megan Collins of Style Girlfriend. Thank you guys so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by 5-4. Now, I want to ask you a question. Guys, what do you know about women's personal style blogs? Can you name one? Do you read one on the reg? Does your wife, does your girlfriend? Here's my guess. I'm guessing you don't probably know very much about them. And I'll be honest, me neither. But all my girlfriends follow like 10 different bloggers whose sites or Instagram accounts or who knows, Snapchats. They check, I mean, before brushing their teeth each morning. This is, this is true love. And I get it, you know, they feel really connected to them. They get to know them through their blogs, through their content, through their personal style, whatever it might be. Uh, but personally, I don't really know many. I don't follow any. And so I thought that maybe you guys would feel the same. And so what I wanted to do on today's episode of Undressed is actually talk to one. Ask them how they got there. How do you make this a full-time gig? Uh, now, you know, obviously there's certain guys who are also getting in on the style blogger action, but... I don't really know how many style girlfriend readers are actually hitting up sites of, you know, guys wearing a shirt from 10 different angles given their best blue steel. So I went to Lara Yordolian. Lara is the founder and blogger behind the lifestyle, travel, beauty uh, blog. It's called Pretty Connected. So Pretty Connected is basically Lara living her life uh, and she's doing it full time. And I got her to give me the download on really just the blog life breakdown, right? How do you how do you make it as a lifestyle blogger? And I found it fascinating. I loved this conversation. I hope you guys do too. Uh, so here is Lara Yordolian of Pretty Connected. Take a listen. I am here with Lara Yordolian of Pretty Connected. Uh, we just had to cut me saying that wrong the first time. That's not that hard of a name. Everyone does it, though. Everyone. You, just, you, you have to be me? in the club. I do. I promise. Okay. <laughs> tell me again how you tell people. You're oh, like your... Lara like Zara. <laughs> <laughs> your Dolian like Europe, Dolphin, and Ian. Your Dolian. <laughs> I want to know how long it took for you to come up with that, those specific references. I've honestly been saying it for so long, I don't even know. <laughs> It's just, like, very natural now, especially when I'm spelling it for, like, camera people. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, you are. Like, you're. Do well. Dolphin. I am. <laughs> it's like a cheerleading chair. Yeah. Um, well, your blog name is much easier. Pretty Connected. I love that name. How did you come up with it? Actually, it's really funny. I originated as technically a beauty blog. And when you're coming up with names and you're like, lipstick this, beauty this, it sounds so cheesy. And I kind of had a feeling, even though it was before the whole blogger craze, that I'd want to talk about other things. So I wanted to be a very like natural progression if I did and just have that flexibility because it was kind of a beauty slash personal blog of things I was doing. So I actually had this whole running list and Pretty Connected was my favorite because it just, you know, it was all about connecting experts in beauty or things like cool museum exhibits or things I was doing and connecting people, but also talking about pretty things. So I'll never forget one of my best friends who's a tattoo artist. Um, another friend of mine was getting a tattoo. I have no tattoos, by the way, but I found I thought it, like, you were about to very, say, like, yeah. pull your shit No, up, nothing. Like, I've got nothing. Across your yeah, I know. There was, like, that excitement, but no, I've got <laughs> nothing. 
But I was literally with her while she got her, like, first tattoo. And I was just sitting there, like, calmly reading all these names. And my friend is very blunt. He was like, no, no, bad, terrible, worse. And then I was, like, getting to it. And I was, like, pretty connected. And he's like, I actually don't hate that. You're like, yes. like, for the win. So, and ever since then, I've been pretty connected. Well, I definitely, I want to take a few steps back and kind of talk about how you got into doing this. So our audience is mostly guys. I would wager that most of them are not looking at personal fashion, personal style, beauty blogs for, (laughs) you know, in in their morning routine. But I would imagine that quite a few of their wives and girlfriends are. And I think that there's probably a bit of a disconnect because guys don't follow these kind of blogs. So they Mm -hmm. don't really know that whole world, how people get into doing it for a a full-time thing. So talk to me about your experience. How did Pretty Connected get started? And when did you decide to go full-time on it? Like, what was that all about? Yeah, so I had actually started at NARS Cosmetics. It was my first job out of college. I was there for two years in international marketing, kind of the dream job. I was there through a really cool phase and really learned about branding. And I think that's actually really helped me in the whole blog world and sort of even with the name like Pretty Connected, thinking really forward that I wanted a name that was oh, really Mr. representative and really well, you know, also really easy for people to remember. Because sometimes when you have really long ones around your social media, it's like spelled all funky. You're like, wait, what? It's missing like seven consonants. Right. And when yeah. you have a name like Laurie or Dolian, which everyone always <laughs> spells wrong. I can't believe you didn't make that your Twitter yeah, I know, right? I just wanted something that people could really remember and make it easy. So going back to NARS, I was there for two years, and then I actually went over to Juralik, which is an amazing, more natural skincare brand um, from Australia. And I was there during their big rebrand. So they actually, at the time, had gone from Australia to moving their offices to the U.S. And they were going from kind of the spa brand and changing their packages to being more of the Sephora um, Barneys at the time, kind of more in the trend area. So I was part of that rebrand. And then they moved to Westchester. (laughs) And I was very fortunate, though. A lot of the team, you know, kind of came from these kind of sexy beauty brands like Bumble and Bumble. And that was obviously from NARS. So everybody had, you know, going to Westchester was sort of one of these halt moments where half the team was expecting it. But that was sort of for me, I think at the time I was 23 and just was not ready to make that commute. So we'd also, um, the team was really incredible though. And we were kind of ahead of the curve on a lot of the whole digital world. I definitely saw a trend in what digital was, you know, just the beast it was going to be in the future. We were starting to listen to our customers more on Facebook and I don't think Twitter was around back then, but you know, (laughs) it was just, you know, and even the early age of blogging, um, was sort of starting to happen. We were listening to people versus just looking at magazines and, you know, kind of ignoring the rest of the world. It was no longer a one-way communication. No longer. And just digital marketing and online marketing was just taking a bigger focus. And you even started to see, you know, the luckies of this world. Which is a, for for those who don't know, it's a now defunct women's magazine that was purely focused on shopping, which is so funny because literally all magazines are about shopping. And back then it was like number one. And then, you know, but they didn't have their blogs. Now you've got online editors. We didn't have that at that time. So it really got exciting. Um, You know, I just started to see that that was sort of a, so I wanted to start a blog just because. I decided, um, you know, I helped them through their fiscal year and then I thought I was going to take a little time off. I was like, I'll start a blog to sort of stay active. And also just because I was reading so many different beauty things, all my friends from NARS, a lot of them had switched jobs. So I was always getting cool products and talking about things and being asked, you know, which mascara do you like? What were you talking about on this network? You know, so it made it easier just to write it all down in one place. So when people asked me a question, I could just send them the link. Um, instead of repeating myself. So that's sort of how I started. Before my whole travel journey life, I got a great offer 
to consult at Mark, which was a division of Avon during that whole Lauren Conrad phase, which oh, yeah. most of you guys won't have any idea what I'm talking about. But, but Avon but... makeup, and they were trying to kind of go younger. Yeah, so and they Lauren had Mark. Conrad of the Hills was yep. their fresh face. And then me wanting to be more digital, I was like, great, they're all online. So I was there for consulting for a year, and then Kiehl's came along, which most of you men love. That was probably the first time men actually cared about, you know, I'd go places, and guys would be like, what? What do you do? And people would be like, she works for NARS. That's so exciting. And they were like, never heard of it. I'm sure my wife has. But as soon as I went to Kiehl's, I was like a hit. Inundated. Oh, my God. Like, they're like, I use shave cream, <laughs> facial feel. Like, we... I had a whole new appreciation from the men demographic in my life. So I went over and I launched um, Kiehl's of Social Media. Okay. So that was a very exciting time um, for me because that was, you know, I, my blog had just started, but it was already getting some traction. Um, brands like even Clinique, I'll never forget, was the first one to ever reach out. First major brand, I should say. Did you just reach do out to me? like dance in your living room? Like, oh my oh, god, I thought so I was official. so major. Major. <laughs> I mean, people have given me products. You know, my friends all work for these companies, but I'd never been just like for my writing and for my site. Be told they want they want to send it to me, no obligation, just to see what I think. That was like a big moment for me. And what was cool too is I got to be really a part of the whole evolution of blogging from. We would like to send you a product to, you know, we would love to have you to our events, to we would love for you to meet, you know, the founders of the company to what it is today, which is a gazillion products, a gazillion events, and you can monetize it and actually be a full-time blogger, which was definitely not in the vocabulary when I started. Well, I definitely feel like that's sort of the like yada yada of blogging, right? Mm -hmm. Is like, oh, like I got my, you know, yeah, Clinique sent me a lipstick and now here I am five years later, I'm doing this full-time. Like... What was the point where you said, I can make a go of this? So for me, right now, I feel like a lot of people can make a go. In the last two years, I think it's gotten a little bit hotter. I've been full-time for probably about four or five years. But what I did was kind of more transitional in that, you know, eventually when I was consulting at Mark and Kiehl's, I dropped the Mark part and I just went to Kiehl's because at that time, social media was just starting. So I was launched through Twitter, their Facebook. We didn't even have Instagram. And now we know what a big, you know, and Snapchat, forget that. That wasn't even the orbit <laughs> of when I was at Kiehl's. But we've really seen what social media has even done for this whole industry. So back then at Kiehl's, you know, then I kind of was their full-time, even though it was part-time slash consulting, I was their social person. There was yeah. no team. You know, I reported directly to full-timers on their Which digital so side. Which is funny that, to think in 2016, like back to a time when a brand like Kiehl's could have a part-time social media person. Absolutely. That and is bonkers. Like, Kiehl's probably has, like, a dedicated Snapchat person now. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, even when I ended up leaving Kiehl's, they had, it was a director of social media. That was a position that it turned into. It went from, like, nobody wanted to touch it slash know where it fell to, you know, this very sought-after position. Yeah, absolutely. And it was also very exciting because back then you didn't have this competitive nature of, like, a thousand bucks. Everyone's a social media expert. Everyone's, you know, I had sort of had the blog and then had this conventional marketing experience. And the person I worked with from Jury League had hired me. Um, so he knew me and knew my experience. So we had a really great relationship. And even with Kiehl's, I remember we won like the FUL2 awards and they were really happy with my work. And it didn't have all these levels you have now, which is a little bit unfortunate for brands when, you know, you're trying to do things in real time and you have like 20 people you have to prove things from. And by the time you get to it, you're like, wait, that was, you know, from three yeah. weeks ago. That's, yeah. So now, so just having that opportunity to just like, we trust you. Things are going well. You're running awards. Like, go run forward. Well, you know, obviously I was checking in. They were supervising me, but. Sure. You know, and I know how to be appropriate from all my brand experience, but it really worked out quite lovely. 
Well, I would imagine that that must have been very helpful as you moved into blogging professionally, right? The fact that you had background in marketing, in beauty, you weren't just, not just, now I'm going to sound like I'm denigrating other bloggers out there, but you do have an expertise beyond right. just being someone who's no, like, I, I love fashion court. and beauty, yeah. which I mean, you see that you do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, what's amazing about the internet is you have this opportunity to self brand yourself and that's incredible and show how you handle things and do things. But 100%, especially for that time, it wasn't my, my blog was an added bonus. It was really my experience. And the fact that, you know, competitively there weren't people doing this for five, you couldn't be like five years experience on platforms that had just started four months earlier. Right. So that was very helpful. And, you know, same thing. And I was there for two years, you know, running the show. And that helped me, you know, develop my blog. And plus, I love that because in two years, the blog world changed. People were doing tons of events. The other thing about why I also never really pursued being full time with Kiehl's uh, is back then, and I don't even know now, the lines are very blurred. But back then, it was a huge conflict of interest. If I took a full time job with Kiehl's or any brand, especially they're under the L'Oreal umbrella, I would 100% have to stop my blog. So in two years, I kind of saw a very exciting, A, I was still, you know, early 20s, I was doing all this sort of fun stuff, meeting all my beauty heroes from, you know, I used to flip through the magazines and you know, suddenly I get to go yeah. meet them, ask them questions, and they're treating me like I'm a big deal. So that was incredible for me. So, you know, I kind of got addicted to that half and wanting to not shut that down. Um, especially coming from a very corporate environment from, you know, my previous jobs. I don't know that I was ready at that time to just pursue that. So by the time they were ready to make it a full-time position, I was in a really good place where, yes, I was monetizing it, but I wasn't at a place where I could probably replace, you know, a full-time salary the way I was, yeah, you know, for my past job living in New York. So I consulted. Um, I started hosting events. I started really working with the blogger community because there wasn't very many of us back then. Are you like uh, unionizing? Yeah, <laughs> unionizing. Well, you know, we're a very supportive community. Yeah. Even to this day, all those girls I still know from back then. Some have quit, some haven't. But, you know, we all know each other when we're in a room together. Now we're lumped with the online editors, which is wonderful as well. But, you know, if you were a newer brand or even established brand and you wanted to do a blog or lunch and you didn't know where to start, people were starting to approach me to do a lot of that. So that was fun. So I got to partner with a lot of different, you know, brands, host events, and that sort of supplemented the income but you should have some, so you have to, so you had you a backup plan. I had a backup plan. Fortunately, I never had to. So it was never this. You never put it in place. I, you know, I've gone up every year. That's been very fortunate, but I always knew, okay, if this goes down, I need to consult more or I'd be a bartender if I needed to, whatever, you know, we would just be, work at Sephora. I don't know. It just, you need to make sure that you are hitting your limit because otherwise, and this is something I see all the time, you just say yes to everything. Like, I say no to things all the time. Like, I've even had, I like... I love saying no to things. Oh, I'm it's like, like oh, you're offering me money, and I said no? Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, because otherwise, you get the weirdest requests. Like, even chicken broth brands have reached out to me, and I'm like, thank you so much. Like, I had <laughs> an egg freezing company reach out to me three times this week over email. Egg Would you freezing? like us to run an article on your site, on my men's lifestyle site? No. No, I don't. Thank wow. you. Yeah, you so, know. Yeah, I hear you. As soon as you... And listen, there's nothing wrong with some... Like, you know, I went to Africa, I was in Uganda, and then I went to Zanzibar, and, like, I couldn't find good coffee for, like, weeks. Suddenly, I was in Zanzibar, and there was Lavazza, and I didn't know about the brand. This is probably, like, four years ago, and I was like, Lavazza is the greatest thing ever, and then six months later, they're like, would you be an ambassador for us? And I was like, yes, I will be an ambassador. I will even work for coffee. Just tell me what to do. But You're we, like a happy cartoon. We'll work for coffee. We'll work for coffee. In case like, of the Mondays. Number one food group, you know. But you do, but, like, you but can do things that aren't, like, wow, yeah. that's not, you know... 
But you make it your own. You really have to embody it and love it and use it and want it. Today's episode is brought to you by 5-4. For just $60 a month, this LA-based brand will send you a delivery of stylish clothes not available anywhere else. Build your wardrobe and diversify your look with clothes for the office, the weekend, and everywhere in between. Visit 54club.com to learn more and become a member. I wanted to learn more about it, so I asked my brother Aaron to take the service for a spin. Here's what he had to say. When the package arrived, what did you receive? I received three items. One pair of khaki jeans that were slim fit, and jeans tend to run really long on me, but these were the right length. There was also a sort of a flannel check shirt, and I tend to wear those a lot. Kind of neat that they hit my style. And then the other thing was, it's a t-shirt. It's sort of in the Justin Bieber fashion where it's a t-shirt, but it's longer. The the jury's out on that one. But I would say that two out of the three immediately were A pluses and they're, they're definitely going to be in my staple wardrobe. Let's say you decide not to keep the Bieber tee. What were the instructions on returning it? It's free returns. Send it right back. They'll send you something else. How do you express your what you're looking for as an adjustment? They have a comment section on the website where you can just leave your thoughts and say that this might be too fashion forward for me. Uh, I'll be interested to see what they come up with to kind of uh, adjust the style as you go. All right, Brother Bear, thank you so much. Tell the Style Girlfriend audience, hi. Hey, Style Girlfriend audience. This is Style Girlfriend's brother, Aaron. It's been a pleasure. Undressed listeners can get 50% off their first month's package when they sign up with the code STYLEGF. Just go to 54club.com and enter STYLEGF at checkout. 54. Live beyond the box. So this is one thing I'm big on. Like, I actually try everything I endorse. People are always like, if you want to come at me with a question, first of all, I never take anything personally. I do think that you need to own it. Somebody can be like, oh, I had a reaction. I'm like, well, you know, it's sensitive. You have sensitive skin. Usually there's a reason for something. First of all, no one's ever had a reaction over something. But I'm just saying if they did, you know, you really need to know your stuff when you're talking about things. And, you know, if you're oily versus sensitive. And it's really easy, especially on Instagram when they see a picture and then they put their thoughts in. And I'm like, actually, I put that in my blog post. So you just have to own your content. Like, it's okay if somebody doesn't like something. You might even hate Love as a copy. Like, I still love it. Yeah. I really did love it when I, you know, talked about it. I loved it if they paid me. I loved it if they don't. But you just have to really believe. Um, a really good example, I won't say the brand, but there's a sneaker brand where I love everything. So I blindly said yes. And you learn. That's the other thing, too, you have to understand. People learn. So when they wanted to do a sponsored post, I was like, absolutely. In my mind now, and this is an amateur move of like three, four years ago, I was like, yeah, send it. Here's my size. The shoe arrived and it was like the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And I was like mortified because I've never seen an ugly shoe from this brand. But I knew that like I would never get away with being like, I love these. They look like Barney shoes. They were like bright purpley pink with like a weird platform. It was just bad. (laughs) But I emailed the brand. And this is something I really encourage for all bloggers is make something your own. Like it's if they're offering you style that is really not you, even if they're paying you like fix it. Like I always say the only difference between like two different posts is that one I'm being paid. So I've got, you know, I can hire my photographers. I, it's not someone paying from and prioritizing them. If I have 20 skincare brands, I'm going to pick the one that's paying me to try first. I'm not going to have a different opinion. It's going to be the same copy 
as if I did it for free. It's just you get my time. And I think that right now there's a disconnect and there's also a lot of amateur bloggers who are not, who just love it. Like if you give me a skincare yeah, product, then you have to love it yeah. because you're paid me and you don't. And right. I've actually, I always put into my contracts and I tell brands I need two weeks at least to try it before I'm going to endorse it, but I will endorse it and you can pay me. But if we hate it, then you have the option of not working with me and I don't want to be paid. Like that's yeah. okay. And I think a lot of people get very nervous to do that. I also put very, I'm very honest in my reviews. Also, if I don't like something normally and I'm doing it for free, I don't write about it. I'll email the PR people my feedback and be like, listen, I wasn't in love with this. Even if something everybody loves, I'm like, this is what my reaction was. I don't feel it. So I'm letting you know. And they appreciate it. They're sending to you to have feedback. They're giving to you to actually give them an opinion so they can go back to their client and say, hey, this is what right. this person thought. Like Otherwise, you're, supposed you're basically to be a taste like maker. ghosting on the company. It's like totally don't ghosting. be the yeah, don't be that jerk that just like drops off the face of the earth because you couldn't stand to have an awkward conversation where you're like, I didn't like your lipstick. And you can say it really nicely. Yeah, totally. The thing too is it's just like it didn't. You know, I found that it smeared a lot. And you know, I do throw in a line like that sometimes if I get a whole collection. There's certain things, but readers will you know, they relate to it. If you see it's happening to a lot of people, I know that for. A lot of women that follow beauty bloggers, that follow personal style bloggers, like, they feel like they know them. Absolutely. You don't realize how much your effect is on people. How did you, like, come to kind of realize that? Have you ever had any interactions where people, like, ran up to you on the street and are like, girlfriend? (laughs) So it's mostly, like, less on the street, although sometimes you'll get, like, a random tweet being like, I think I saw you in front of blah, 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 you know. But I will notice during, like, fashion week or, like, those beauty con type things or things where you're more in line with your demographic, yeah. you know, I was at Miami Swim, so I was like, oh my God, are you pretty connected? And it's like, I follow you, I leave your comments, and you're like, oh my gosh, and sometimes you recognize names, sometimes you don't. You realize that people are really paying attention, and I've seen it mostly, like, I've had writers and interns who've all of a sudden seen, you know, two bloggers feuding on Twitter or something, bad, and they're, like, very affected by it. And even myself, if I see somebody being really unprofessional, even on their Snapchat, if you're lucky enough to do this full-time and not compromise that right there, is like a high five and I think we do get very competitive and that's hard but you really just have to take yourself out of that mindset because there really is enough of the pie and if you like I said are lucky enough when I started there was like 10 to 20 of us now there's like a new one every second I mean to your point I think it can be hard like people gain the smallest amount of fame and are like oh I'm Tom Cruise like I'm the most famous person in the entire universe and so it can be easy to then feel slighted when, yeah, someone who has 100,000 more Instagram followers than you do gets a perk that you don't get, like, whatever. Like, I, I've seen that happen over and over again. Absolutely. People get turned into big divas. But also, like, I don't know, aren't they allowed to sometimes not put out their best self? Like, I think that's what's tough about – And it again, that's why I feel lucky that Style Girlfriend, like, it's not me, but I do mm-hmm. feel like – I, I totally see what you're saying. Um, it's more being cognizant that it's going to have an effect on people. And that was my first moment of realizing what people see from other bloggers. And when yeah. people would reference, oh, it affects me, or I feel like I know them and they said this and it really hurt my feelings. For instance, I'm in a group of bloggers and sometimes I give advice. And one had asked the other day, she was like, I emailed my link to the brand. The PR person never wrote back. I'm so upset this review took me so long. Should I take it down? And all these girls were like, oh, my God, maybe you should. That's so rude. And I was like, guys, stop. First of all, that person was probably busy. Why don't you respond and ask for a call to action? Like, just making sure you saw my post. I get that you're very sensitive to that you need a thank you or whatever. Like, I have the time forgot to send my links because I'm so busy. I don't even notice when people respond or don't. Like, just to right. be candid. You covered your butt. Yeah. But 
even so, like, you put something up on your blog that you're going to take down because you're mad at a person, like, you shouldn't be putting anything on your blog that you would take down. Like, everything I put up, you should be proud of. You know, like, that's your portfolio. That's your life. Like, if you're taking it down, were you trying to appease that, like, appease that PR person, make them happy so they work with you more? Like, that's not how, that's not what's going to put you ahead in life with this industry. Like, you have to be really strong in who you are, have good opinions, you know, and take the emotion out of it. Like, if you just don't like something, it's not like, oh, I hate this product because I hate this brand or I hate, you know, it's very factual. Like, it bled all over my teeth or, oh, I found that, like, it was really off color for a medium beige tint or, oh, you know, the color didn't last as long or the fits on, you know, the other day I did something for a sale brand and I was a size six in their clothes. I'm usually like a two, maybe a four. A six would usually fall off me. But because they're in like an old school way of tailoring, it's a six and like that's fine. But like you got to let people know, scale yourself to, and they know this, they're aware they might be working on their sizing, but that's the old American made in US way of doing things. So it's not insulting to be like, go buy two sizes up or go. It's a very factual thing. Or if something like blood on your, it just, it just happened. So it bled a little bit on my teeth or I found that like it didn't wear for the 12 hours it said. Like it's an opinion. It's not like I hate this brand because... Are all products are like people take things so emotionally. It's like right. stated as a fact versus, you know, as if it's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> well, I think that's where, again, bloggers uh, can maybe have a hard time being taken seriously because if it is, quote unquote, just their opinion, like, I mean, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one, right? <laughs> like what makes these people more worth listening to? So I think that, again, speaking to your background in beauty, I think that that probably is something that you do have going for you that other people bloggers might not because you can say I think it's because the parabens whatever like you're you have a place to like come from to say here's probably why that happened but I want to ask you um you know you used the word approachable before and I think that's really interesting because I do think that again for uh maybe men that are kind of peeking into the beauty blogger world or the fashion blogger world seeing what their girlfriends their wives are looking at I think that the the bigger you know girls that are out there the more you know the really really kind of mega famous in their own um universe girls, they maybe started out feeling very approachable and now because they can command higher, you know, fees and higher prices for projects, they're suddenly wearing head to toe designer labels and their, you know, hair is perfectly blown out every time they take a picture. What's your take on that? Like, do you think that that's something that is good for blogging or do you think it starts to feel too aspirational? You know, I think with anything quote unquote being approachable, it's hard. Like if you are doing this full time, it's really hard. I can't tell you how many people email for advice, questions, things, and you can't get to everyone. By the time I do like everything free and help everyone, like the day is over. Like I feel like sometimes I don't even prioritize myself. So as somebody who's even that big or at that level, you know, we're all trying to get ahead in life. So you should be happy for people. And yes, you hope they still have a high and low attitude. But like, if Chanel wanted to dress you every day and blow out your hair, you know, would you say no to that? Like, I think we also put so much pressure on these girls. And then, you know, and listen, and their demographic changes. Like, I know a lot of, to your point, that say, oh, they used to style and this and this. And, you know, you hope they would still do that. But if this is their choice, then that's their choice. Like, there's nothing wrong with it in the same way, you know, Again, then hopefully some new blogger would say, here's a look and here's a look for less. But we all evolve. Like things I used to do for free or would do three years ago is just not feasible for me anymore. Even and that's probably around. true for our and personal lives too, right? Like absolutely. things that we would wear, you know, yeah, ways we would style our hair. Like, of course you evolve. And so that's definitely true. I think it's when it comes at sort of a rocket pace, that's when it 
seems like it can maybe be off-putting for people. I mean, definitely. I can see where that, I understand that perspective and we do see it all the time, but it's, you know, at the same time, like you just have to be happy for people and it's also up to the brands. Like again, if there's five brands that want to work with me and pay for my time and my photographer make things great and let me create really great content, like why should I turn that down to work? a million hours for free, which I still do. Like you'll see me in front of my apartment because lighting's good, open, doing crazy things. And you're like, great, I just spent half my day to support all my, you know, friends and brands I love and the founders I love. But now, you know, and it really does cut into your personal life. Sure. You know, this is your time. And so I think I've heard of that personal life. People have that, right? Yeah, Some I don't know. Like I, supposedly. Now yeah. mine just goes Talk to my boyfriend and my dog. So... Speaking of your boyfriend, does he follow any personal style bloggers? I'm always very curious because, again, Style Girlfriend is not a personal style blog. It's not right. what I wore today and what I wear soon because, obviously, I'm not wearing menswear. And I, I obviously, there's some really great men's personal style bloggers out there. But I also, you know, for most of our audience, they're not really going from Style Girlfriend to looking at one of those personal style bloggers. You know, they're maybe going from Style Girlfriend to ESPN and kind of getting on with their right. day because, as best as I can tell, that might not really be how they're looking to consume their sort of style and grooming information. Does your boyfriend follow anyone? Or? So, I mean, I think what you said is twofold. I think that I think that there are more people paying attention. My boyfriend, personally, will just use me. Like, <laughs> and he's got great taste. He's like, okay, I pretty much know if I go to... Rag- we took him to one rag and bone sample sale and he just, like, got his classic pieces and now... <sighs> He's like, good. What good basics. And I yeah. don't, don't need it. And like a bunch of like kids t-shirts or like t-shirts <laughs> with like cartoons on it. And he's like, good for life. He's more of like a formula dresser. I feel like when you've got like the good, like two pairs of good fitting jeans, a pair of gray pants, a pair of khaki, like just the basics. He can keep you wearing them and restat. And then like yeah. a John Barbados jacket, you know, bag and bone jacket. He Do you think that's need. why maybe men's personal style bloggers isn't as big of a market because it's not so much based on trends. At that age range, I would say, you know, I think when you're in high school and you're doing more of the like Abercrombies and yeah. American Eagles, you know, they're well, always finding yourself, shoes. you're figuring it yeah, all there's out. Yeah, they might be a little bit more trend forward. But I think, yes, men do like to invest in a few key pieces and then switch up less. Women like wear something once they photograph it on Instagram. Like, it doesn't matter if you've got 20 followers or 20,000 followers. It's like, yeah. oh, I posted it. I can't wear this dress again, you know. Or even, I mean, even just for non-bloggers, I think that women are more likely to want to try. Oh, I mean non-bloggers. Like, oh, literally, you're saying like, photograph, like, like, oh, I went to a wedding like, and I can oh, never I wear this again. Like, yeah. my wedding and all my friends saw it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's really true. It's so true. It's not just, you know, whereas men are like, oh, I wore that tux. I'll wear it again. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's really true. I mean, I I think the women are like, I'm going to go for like a bohemian yeah. chic vibe this fall. And it's like men don't do that. Men are like, I'm going to enter my rugged masculine phase. It's like it really doesn't. Like every now much. and again we get thrown off. Like I took him to the U.S. Open as part of our thing for American Express. And he's like, oh, I Googled what to wear and I have nothing to wear. So those are like the occasions. Or like one time we went to a white party and he's like, I have a white button down shirt. Like, where are we going with this? And I was like, all right, we got to go shopping. So there'll definitely be occasions where he will Google, like, what do I wear? Because we're doing a clothing thing or we're doing a Hamptons, you know, where he's like, I want to, you know, the Clicquot does their polo every year. So I think we definitely look to inspiration. And he's that kind of a men's style blogger. Yeah. Where he's like, I look through pictures and I like this look. So. But he's not feeling he's not personally like, bonded to like the I am galas of the world. Like right, he's not exactly. like, it's not like oh, I had to follow We them. knew each other. We told them to be friends. Right. Which is I think how women see women bloggers. 100%. It's like that's my BFF. But we I, just have never met. Yeah. I want to ask you one question because I think that what is one way that people can live more like a blogger? I, mean, I think everyone should just, you know, it, beauty and I think the beauty industry is just feeling good about yourself. So if you feel good, you know, some people feel like things are too much or they don't need foundation or, you know. Now, before we let you go, we ask this to all of our guests and it means different things to everyone. But what was your first 
million bucks moment. That moment where you looked in the mirror and you were just like, everything is working. I look awesome. This is the greatest. I'm unstoppable. Oh my God. We've had answers everywhere from like a guy who said it was like he was five years old and he went to a wedding and got to buy a suit at JCPenney's with his mom and That's he felt super like so badass. Cute. My first big <laughs> moment, I'll never forget the first time I was in a print magazine, which was with Avino. Um, it was literally like this little picture of me next to a campaign for um, a charity thing that they were doing or basically like doing good because I that's my that's my thing I like to give back a lot so they picked me and just seeing myself in like Elle magazine for this campaign that was like giving grants to individuals doing you know awesome things with their lives so I was like the poster child for it and I'll never forget and literally it was like this picture somebody took at an event of me with like their iPhone I like submitted the picture and it's like that small <laughs> but like and then I was in Lebanon the following month with my dad and they're like international is always like a month behind and I was like oh my god we're in this like weird place that's like a little story and there's my face and so that was probably the biggest deal I was I like, like I'm such a big deal because <laughs> I'm in this magazine that is a good one. Yes. I think anytime you're in a magazine, that probably feels like a big deal. Definitely. That, that definitely But counts. that was the first I'll never forget. And that was early on before bloggers were really being cast in everything. God, that was probably five years ago. I was like, I'm a huge deal. <laughs> you're basically on the cover of the magazine. Yeah. I you would have thought. <laughs> Just rip it out. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, buy a hundred copies. Like, even from the doctor's office. Like, I'd have a hundred. But if I saw that, I was like, I'm going to take that with me. Like, can I have this? I'm in it. Like, it was... <laughs> And then show it to the receptionist. Like, I really took probably like two years before I even got into like another one. But I was like, I'm in this. So that was probably my big. I love it. I'm major. Well, Laura, thank you so much. I think you're pretty major. Everybody go check out Pretty Connected. Where can people find you on the internet? Easy. Prettyconnected.com at Pretty Connected. I like to leave it very easy. No so underscores. No underscores. Happening. I, don't, I don't mess with that. Like okay. a new social network's coming out. I'm going to try to get it. Oh, God. I can't even keep up. All right. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> that was fantastic. And we will put all the links up so people can find you and make it even easier. That's it for this episode of Undressed. If you liked this, please do go and leave us a review in iTunes and subscribe wherever one subscribes to podcasts. And thanks again to 54 for sponsoring Undressed, for being uh, an awesome brand partner. Remember, Undressed listeners can get 50% off their first month's package. That's not nothing, guys. Just head to 54club.com and enter code STYLEGF at checkout. Thanks, guys. Till next time, I'm Megan Collins, a style girlfriend. This is Undressed. Undressed.